God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. You are my rock and my redeemer. Amen. This past Tuesday, curled up in our apartment with the snow howling outside, I got into a conversation with my roommate, one of my best friends of the past 15 years. It was a long one, two hours in fact, the kind of conversation that can only really happen when something like a snow day pushes us outside of our normal routine. It was a complicated subject matter, a deep dive into a situation we were both familiar with, where tensions of race and class and gender were all exposed. We had different experiences and different opinions on some touchy subjects. But, rooted in love and trust, we engaged points of tension with curiosity and vulnerability. As we wrapped up, we looked at each other and realized that both of our perspectives had shifted. We both came out of this encounter with one another somehow changed. When was the last time a conversation changed you? When did you leave feeling like you were thinking of something in a new light, like your perspective had shifted? Think about this encounter. What was the conversation like? Who was it with? How wide were the differences between you? What was that thing that enabled you to open your mind, to open your heart, to become transformed? I see scripture as a conversation, or more accurately, accurately, a infinite number of conversations across space and time woven together in this amazing tapestry. Think about it. You have Jesus and his disciples and all the people who heard and engaged with and challenged and abided by his teachings in his own time. These teachings, of course, were in conversation with the prophets of antiquity, with Moses and Elijah and Isaiah and Ezekiel, and all the millions of people that engaged with those stories and listened and told and retold the stories of the Hebrew Bible. Then you have the communities who told the stories of Jesus and the people who wrote them down, and the people who translated them into their own language, all adding their own voices into this conversation. And now you have all of us, all, everyone who has listened to, or sung, or preached, or studied, or reenacted these stories that we have in the Bible. People have been doing this for two millennia. This one huge, magnificent tapestry of conversation becomes the word of God through a multitude of voices. These voices come together, challenge each other, shape one another. And as we engage in, in scripture, I believe that we have the opportunity to come away transformed. So let's engage in this scripture reading together. Our story starts with Jesus. He's walking across Samaria from Judea to Galilee. He's a stranger, a Jew, in an unfamiliar land. He sits down at the well, doesn't have a bucket to get the water below. It's hot, noon. 
Up walks a woman, a Samaritan. These two characters could not be more different. And in the context of their times, there should never have been a conversation. Another Jewish man would never have engaged or spoken to a Samaritan woman. Another Samaritan woman would not have responded. And yet they proceeded to have one of the longest conversations in the Christian Testament. I will admit that when I first hear Jesus in this conversation, I don't particularly like him. <laughs> he sounds, for the lack of a better word, arrogant. If you only knew who I am, he seems to say. Then again, there's another character here, invisible, the author of the Gospel of John, writing almost a century later. We see Jesus here through John's lens. Throughout his Gospel, John is working hard to elevate Jesus from someone no one has ever heard of to someone who has the authority of God. Of course, John's Jesus comes off a bit arrogant. He has to prove to himself to a wary audience that he is, in fact, the Son of God. And regardless of this perceived arrogance, Jesus engages in this conversation with a Samaritan woman coming from a place of vulnerability. He asks her for a drink. The woman is perhaps cautious of this stranger, but she too engages, curious. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? This unique blend of vulnerability and curiosity creates the context for conversation, and it opens up the stage for transformation. Much has been written about this Samaritan woman at the well. Preachers throughout history, mostly men, have had a field day with her five husbands, calling her fallen, sinful, praising Jesus for even deigning to speak with her. More progressive preachers recognize that in those days, men would have initiated her five divorces, reminding us that she was a victim of the patriarchal society in which she lived. But frankly, I don't care about her husbands. What if instead of seeing her as either a harlot or a victim, two tropes that we women know very well, what if we see her fully, as Jesus does, as a human being with agency? What if we see her as she is, a deeply faithful, curious woman who engages, with, who engages both boldly and vulnerably with this strange man who is so different from her? Reading her this way, I see in this Samaritan woman a model for how to do sacred conversation well. We so often look to Jesus in this encounter, recognizing the power of his divinity in his ability to transform her, to give her spiritual nourishment. But she is the one who is open to such transformation, to shifting her perspective. She asks questions, she works through her thought process out loud with earnestness and openness, trying to wrap her mind about this, around this idea of living water. She's trying to understand Jesus, trying to place him in the context of her own theology, a theology that she is working hard to live by. 
and she changes, ultimately seeing Jesus for what he is, the Messiah, the Christ. We can't all be Jesus, but we certainly can find a role model in this Samaritan woman. What is fascinating about this whole encounter is that Jesus does not give the woman anything, physically. He recognizes in her a spiritual thirst and does nothing more than engage with her without judgment, sharing with her the good news about the eternal truth of the Spirit of God. This is the water that Jesus offers. Those who drink of the water that I give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will become in them a spring of water gushing up in eternal life. Through her conversation with Jesus, the woman at the well seems to find this living water. She even leaves her own jug by the well as she heads off to share the good news to the people in her town. Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? Just as the word of God is revealed in the many voices of scripture, so too can the living water be found in conversation. The Samaritan woman reminds us that we can only find this living water if we are curious, vulnerable, and open to our own transformation. So often in encounters with those different from us in our own lives today, the living water that Jesus offers is nowhere to be found. We dig in our heels, we calcify our thoughts, we close our minds. What would happen if, in these moments, like the women in the well confronted by a stranger, we were vulnerable, curious, allowing ourselves to be transformed? This is not to say, of course, that we should not stand up for what believe in. Of course we should. But confidence in our own ideals must be balanced with the vulnerability and curiosity that allows the potential to see things in a new light. Perhaps then we are able to accept the living water that Jesus offers and open ourselves up to be transformed. Kent often asks me when I am talking through some situation I'm wrestling with, where do you see God in this situation? I'm always baffled. I don't know. But today I ask you, where is the living water in the conversations that you have? Imagine someone in your life with whom you differ. Hold them in your thoughts. Now imagine a conversation with them that gets at the heart of those differences. What would the living water look like in those conversations? Could you imagine coming to that conversation like the woman at the well, with vulnerability and curiosity? Could you imagine yourself transformed? What would leaving water look like in a conversation between an evangelical Christian and a transgendered person? What about a Trump supporter and an undocumented immigrant? What would living water look like in the conversations about health care or immigration policy or religious differences? I leave this scripture honestly unsure exactly how to define living water in a way that really makes sense to me. And I really tried to, to get at that exact definition. 
But what I do know is that God was somewhere in that conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well. That God is in the living water that Jesus offers. And I think that the God who re-entered the world in an animal feeding trough in the back of a sold-out inn wants us to understand something about vulnerability. I think a Messiah who largely taught in unclear parables and questioned his listeners nearly as much as he instructed them wants to stoke our curiosity. And a son of God who was killed by the state on Friday but rose up again on a Sunday is all about transformation. And perhaps these things, vulnerability, curiosity, and transformation, are some of the strains in this kind of spirit-filled, life-giving, eternal living water that Jesus offers. Perhaps we just need to open ourselves up to accept it. Amen.